Welcome to the discussion, Modern Government, How Employees Can Thrive in This Hybrid Work Environment, sponsored by KPMG. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. My guest today is Adrian Burton, the Chief Information Officer at the Health Resources and Services Administration in the Department of Health and Human Services. Adrian, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. It's glad to be back. It's great to catch up with you again. It's been uh, several years, I think, and, and there's pl plenty going on. But we're going to focus our discussion today on remote work. We're going to focus our discussion today on employees returning to the office as more and more employees get vaccinated, as people become more comfortable with the idea of returning to the office. So let's just start maybe at the beginning. And when you look back over the last year during the COVID-19 pandemic, discuss what worked, what, what were some of the more challenges that you faced as employees transitioned to remote work, obviously with, with your title as a CIO from a CIO's perspective. So I'm happy to say that um, a lot went right at HRSA when we transitioned to 100% uh, telework. Uh, HRSA has been a long supporter of telework. Um, in fact, many staff, they telework one day a week, maybe some telework a little bit more, some telework a little bit less. But anyway, so staff was already familiar with using the uh, VPN. Um, so we have a robust VPN infrastructure that can support, you know, simultaneous users. We've used it. And for instance, when there's been snowstorms, we have 100% of the people, you know, on at the same time. Um, so I think that, you know, for the most part, people were used to using VPN as well as the collaboration tools. At the time, we used um, Skype and Adobe Connect. So staff was familiar with using um, those tools. Um, I think that for us, it was really, you know, making sure that you're ready for an emergency. And this is part of um, HRSA as well as HHS coup planning is to make sure that you're prepared for an emergency, but no one could foresee that we would telework for, you know, a year straight like we have but we were ready for it. My staff has been absolutely awesome. So we always try to make sure that we're prepared. Some of the things that we weren't quite prepared for was you know, the safety protocols that need to be put in place with um, COVID-19 and interfacing with people, especially with our help desk support. So what we did is that we adjusted our procedures and uh, we made some changes for, well, we, we provided remote support anyway, and we used different tools to provide remote support. However, we still needed to onboard people when they came into the office. So of course we needed to maintain the, the six feet for the social distancing. We need to make sure that staff had masks as well as gloves. And then an, another thing that we had to adjust is um, when people had issues with their laptop, is that we would give them a loaner as opposed to trying to uh, repair their laptop on right away. And so what we would do is that we would give them a loaner, wait a couple of days, work on the laptop and then return uh, their laptop uh, to them. So for us, it was really around the safety protocols that we needed to um, put in place to um, continue to support staff. And overall, our mission has not stopped at all. That, that's a that's a great, a lot of good news there. I'm going to back up for one thing. And the help desk support piece was interesting. And I think that's one of the areas I hear a lot from other CIOs who say, well, we're so used to doing this in, in person. Uh, and, and as you said, you use some tools for remote working. Was most of your, your help desk on premise or, or were some teleworking some days a week or some teleworking most of the time? That, that that and the, as you said, the, the laptop issue are, are two of the areas that, that I hear a lot about. For the most part, our help desk support is um, on site. So, and we also have 10 regional offices that we supported uh, remotely. And then we had people that were teleworking that we re we supported remotely. So we use the land desk technology where we can take over someone's laptop to actually um, troubleshoot. Um, so that was not uh, new to us at all. 
So that's typically what how we provided support. However, during this instance, we did work with our vendor to provide some on-site support for employees where the vendor would dispatch someone, for instance, to like replace a battery or to handle some of the like hardware changes to existing um, laptops that we had. One of the things that you hear about, for instance, when the laptop breaks, what do you do? The loaner one was a good example. I know people, some people, some agencies have used kiosks. Was that something that came up where you put a kiosk in with the, with the laptop that's broken and get a kiosk that gives you one that with a laptop that's not broken? Was there any sort of technology in that sense that was, was borrowed, used, or tried out? Um, not from a technology perspective, but we would have a cart that folks could drop off their laptop that was experiencing a problem, and then they would pick up the loaner from another um, cart. And so we, of course, made sure that the carts were distanced so that we didn't have to um, be right there to physically interact with folks. I mean, we could do it with a, a certain amount of social distancing in place. And so that's what we, you know, just some of the basic uh, process uh, improvements is, is, is what we um, actually implemented. The implementation of these, it sounds like from, from an implementation standpoint, you were not one of those agencies that had to quickly upgrade VPN access. You didn't have to quickly get out laptops. It seems like a lot of this you were, you were prepared for, as you said, a lot of the coop planning that came through. But when you look back and, 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 and okay, here's what worked. Here's some of the things that worked better than maybe we thought it did. Are there plans in place or are you putting plans in place to sustain and optimize some of those technology changes that you had implemented over the last year? Well, I think that um, one of the things that uh, we've been working on is improving access to information to make it more uh, make it easier for folks to find information. So what we've done is we have a lot of short little video clips on how to use technology. For instance, we just recently migrated from uh, Skype to uh, Microsoft Teams. And so what we've done is set up a lot of video clips for online support for folks. And so those are just some of the things that um, we're doing in regards to um, sustaining that and making sure that people can find inf information more easily as well. And then what we've done is that uh, if folks need to come into the building, they would schedule an appointment to make sure that we maintain, maintain socially distancing. And then when we do onboarding for folks, what we, we do is we issue the laptop to the employee and then they need to validate that they can connect to VPN right away. And then we send them off and then they continue to work from home. That's probably been the biggest uh, change too, is that onboarding for previously it was, nope, you got to show up. You have to spend three hours going through all the processes, learning how your laptop works. All of a sudden, uh, folks like yourself realized, well, we can do almost everything from home. I mean, I've heard cases where uh, agencies have shipped new employees a laptop. And as soon as they plugged in and connected to the Wi-Fi or the internet, the, then the, the help desk could, could help them kind of get set up in the VPN world. Did you have any sort of remote worker, you know, new employee enrollment effort that was that was different than maybe what you had started with? Well, we explored that in terms of actually shipping the laptops to the new employees, but they needed to come in for their PIV card anyway, and it didn't make sense to uh, separate the, the two functions. And so what happens is that, that they would go into the badging office, get their PIV card, and then immediately they could go pick up their laptop bag, validate that they could access VPN because I think it's easier to try to troubleshoot that thing, that VPN access in person, especially for people that have not used Hearst's VPN at all. And so that was just easier to um, um, 
to integrate those two steps. And then after that, they go home and then they complete the new employee orientation that HRSA has. Adrian, one of the things that occurs to me as we are talking through this is it's one thing to come in, get your laptop, but because the people had to work from home and they had to access data, they had to make sure they could get to the applications. Is this something that you all were prepared for because you had done the IT modernization you know, in 2019 and 2018 previously. So the remote work was not that challenging or did you have to do some other things to ensure that employees could work, could access their data, could access their applications from anywhere at any time? For the most part, uh, folks could access all of our applications. However, uh, HHS, specifically HRSA, we've been involved with the uh, Provider Relief Fund. We've been responsible for that. And so that's a new program that HRSA received in April of 2020. And we received $100 billion initially and then $75 billion. And so the whole thing was trying to stand up that program uh, very quickly. And so what we did is we uh, implemented a COCOA model, a contractor-owned contractor operated model uh, for that program, but we also had to complement that service with some of the uh, platform as a service um, offerings as well to support the provider relief fund. So we had a, had a, have had a lot of activities going on with HRSA, not just our normal programs, but a, a additional programs. Another uh, program that we received was standing up the telehealth.hhs.gov, which was a new site um, to support HHS's response to COVID. So we've been, uh, we've had a lot of uh, work that's been uh, going on. And then recently we received $2.5 billion for uh, grants for um, various programs within HRSA. So my staff has been working with program folks to uh, figure out ways to expedite the disbursement of the uh, grants. So typically the grant cycle takes anywhere from 90 to 120 days. And so what we did is that we were able to reduce that initially to 18 days for the first round of COVID grants. And then we reduced it to 12 days. And then finally we reduced it to uh, five days. So there's been a lot of activity you know, from an IT perspective and support of the programs. And then also keep in mind that uh, when folks went to 100% telework, you also have all these different remote meetings and, and different things like that. And so IT has just been really at the forefront with supporting all the uh, mission activities that needed to take place in, in such a, a short time frame. That's awesome. That's a great success story of going from 90 to 120 days down to five days on average, of yes. course. We know everyone's a little different. Uh, what was the IT role in that? Because I think that's obviously when we talk about procurement as an example, well, we got you know, a lot of agencies talk about getting you know VPN set up in record time. And if we could do it during the urgency of COVID, why can't we do it all the time? I'm sure the grant folks are like, well, if you can do it during COVID, why can't HRSA do it do it all the time. So what was the role of IT to, to kind of speed up that time? Well, what we did is we had uh, daily meetings with the program folks in regards to the grants that needed to go out. We had various programs like the health center program, our uh, workforce programs, uh, maternal and child health programs. So they all had a certain amount of funding that they needed to issue out in regards to grants. But what we did is we held uh, daily meetings with all of those key stakeholders. And we learned each time that we dispersed grants for different parts of the organization. And we were able to reuse some of those processes and also automate 
communication, using some scripts to try to make it easier for folks. I mean, we basically save thousands of hours in reducing the grantee burden to actually, you know, receive the awards. We reduce the time, for instance, for issuing funding memos and, and, and various other internal activities. And so we were really proud of the work that we did. Um, like I said, IT is partnering closely with um, the business to actually make those things happen. But um, it's a, a, a team effort. And like I said, we we're extremely uh, proud of all the work that we've accomplished in this last year. I mean, this, this has been a really busy, extremely busy year. That's an understatement to say the least, an extremely busy year, yes. But congratulations on the on the, on the the progress on grants. Uh, Adrian, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Adrian Burton, the Chief Information Officer at the Health Resources and Services Administration in HHS. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Modernizing Government, How Employees Can Thrive in This Hybrid Work Environment, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Is your agency feeling the pressure to modernize? A new app isn't enough. Becoming modern requires rethinking the way you operate. At KPMG, we help agencies optimize their business functions, enable the workforce with digital platforms and tools, and protect critical assets from ever-changing threats. Meet current and future mission requirements by continuously improving and constantly adapting with KPMG by your side. To learn more, visit kpmg.com US federal. Welcome back. You're listening to Modernizing Government, How Employees Can Thrive in This Hybrid Work Environment, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Adrian Burton, the Chief Information Officer at the Health Resources and Services Administration in the Department of Health and Human Services. Now, Adrian, before break, we were talking a little bit about some of the efforts you did to kind of get grants moving quickly. And you mentioned uh, all this money that HRSA received from the uh, American Rescue Plan and, and other COVID relief bills. And one of the things you mentioned was kind of the use of a platform as a service and a contractor operated at a contractor owned model, the COCO. I love that acronym, one of my favorite ones. Is that, was that new for HRSA and, was, and why did you decide to go in that direction and, and what did it take to kind of say, that's the right model for us? Well, it's not necessarily new to HRSA. We had some programs that uh, used the COCO model, but I think that uh, one of the reasons why we went with that model for the Provider Relief Fund is because if we, we needed to move quickly. And so it was easier to, uh, uh, you know, why build a system when you can use a system that already exists? I mean, that's one of the foundations for FATAR. And so what we did is we actually contracted out that um, service. And then, like I said, we complemented it with other um, services, such as the platform as a service. Uh, we utilized um, Salesforce for our uh, performance reporting system, as well as our um, case management system. So I think for us, uh, we use Salesforce for our um, contact center, but we didn't use it for things such as um, case management and performance reporting. So we're really excited about um, using that technology and starting to integrate that and in, um, some of the other uh, technologies that we have in place, as well as we implemented um, DocuSign. We were using that for our onboarding process to make it easier for folks to sign off on all the forms electronically uh, for the onboarding process. What was really great is because we already had an ATO in progress for that system, we were able to quickly do the ATO for uh, some of the work that we needed for the provider relief fund. And I think that that's important for folks to know is that um, in these situations when you do need to stand up these systems really quickly, you really need to make sure that 
all your staff is on board, especially your chief information security officer was trying to, you know, move quickly to issue these ATOs. Um, we did some provisional ATOs to keep, you know, to keep the ball rolling, but um, that's just really um, key. And I think another key is uh, agile um, IT portfolio um, contract. Um, structure, I think, is, is is what's key, and so that's one of the things that we'll we're we're continuing to work on to provide that agility for um, emergency situations such as um, what we're in right now. It, did you find it a little funny? And and of that, it took a pandemic to get people to realize that e-signatures work and they're yeah. trustworthy, and yeah. we can use them because. I know we've been talking about this in the federal market, in the federal sector for 20, 20 plus years about, well, why are we, why are we worried, prep, you know, why am I sending you a piece of paper for you to sign it, to send somebody else to sign it, to send to somebody else to sign it, when you can send one document that all we all can e-sign and it can be done like that. So I, I thought the irony was thick there. Well, that and some of the things with the faxing and, <laughs> and right. And now you have it where everyone's trying to automate and then also trying to do this in such a quick manner. So it was just interesting seeing how uh, uh, everyone was coming to us. Can we do this? And can we do that? Things that we've been talking for for quite a while. And so I think that that really helped move the federal government forward really quickly is because it was a swim or die type of situation and you needed to move forward. And so um, I'm, I'm just really happy and pleased with um, the support and the willingness for people to move forward. Because I think that, you know, we focus on the IT, but you also have to focus on the, the people aspect of it um, as well. You know, with people, uh, you know, doing 100% telework and trying to keep morale up and, you know, people are working quite a few hours, you know, extra hours in order to uh, move these programs forward. So that's key as well. We talked earlier about the sustainment of these, some of this technology. I, I imagine even if we all go back to the office uh, four or five days a week, no one's going to be like, okay, let's go back to wet signatures. I imagine the e-signature e piece is something that will sustain. Right. I imagine the, 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 the platform as a service, uh, the idea behind it, right, of, of using, of running some software on top of it that can let you grab data, understand data. That's what's really going to sustain over the long term. Th those are the major changes that, that we will see at your agency and others. Yeah, and I think the whole idea of building systems from scratch as opposed to using something that has the foundational capabilities and then you just add to that and customize it to your your environment. So I think that that's going to be um, key moving forward. And like you said, people are getting used to things happening at record speed. And so I think long term will be interesting to see how that plays out um, and in regards to rolling out uh, capabilities. But I think the door is definitely open for that movement. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things um, continue down that path. Well, unfortunately, you are going to be the one that all the pressure comes back to is because they're going to say if, if we if whatever normal is in, in a year or five years or whatever it is that someone's going to say to you, well, during that pandemic time, you got that out quickly. Well, it's taking so long today. So uh, the folks in your position will, will face the uh, <laughs> challenge of, of, of living up to the pandemic world. Uh, speed and, and, and success. Uh, Adrian, one of the things I want to shift over to, because I think it, it's right in there, is, is as employees return to the office, uh, how is HRSA getting ready from a technology perspective? Because some people may never return to the office. Some people may only return to the office once a week. So this hybrid work environment is, is something that I think we're all going to be living in. Yeah, I think that one, uh, you're absolutely right. I think for the, the actual program staff and the IT staff, 
I think that um, we definitely have um, probably more tel more remote work and really trying to identify what needs to happen in the office. And I'm really pleasantly surprised with the uh, collaboration technology that you know you've been able to seamlessly you know continue to manage your your different programs or um, to engage with staff. I think one of the things though with 100% telework is that you do kind of miss that that person to person engagement for folks. I think that you just over time just adjust and to find different ways to engage with uh, people. We've had within my organization we've had things such as a, a um, step challenge. Uh, to keep folks engaged or instead of having quarterly meetings with all staff, I now have monthly 30 minute chats, you know, the hitting the, the key things that they want to hear about and then open it up for uh, um, discussion or we have these little fun facts or like what's your favorite movie and just different things like that to different ways to engage with um, staff, but I think um, that I think it's going to be key. And then supporting that combination. I think it's easier if you're all in the office or all not in the office, but with the hybrid, I think it'll be, you know, we'll present even different challenges. And I'm sure that, you know, we're able to, you know, meet those challenges. But I think that that's going to be the, the biggest thing. And so we're implementing, we have Zoom, we've just implemented Zoom and um, in uh, February, and we're implementing Zoom rooms for when we go back to more of a hybrid environment. But hopefully it'll be easier for folks because the kids will be back in school. There'll be, you know, some normalcy because you also have to factor in that with COVID is not only are you teleworking, but you, you're, you know, uh, parents are still trying to care for their kids and, 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 and all those different uh, things. So I think that um, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward. I think that's a good piece, the, the, the interesting use of Zoom rooms, because you could say, okay, instead of all of us trying to meet all at once and there's 30 or 40 people, we're gonna say this project can go into that room or this project can go into a different room. And then also, as you said, the, the, the 30 minute chats with each uh, of, of your staff members is helpful too. The, the balance will be, did I tell someone in person what I didn't tell them online because they stopped by my office, they stuck their head in, I saw them on the way to lunch or the elevator or something. And, and how do you ensure that communication is happening? Is, is that's one piece of it. Is there another piece of just from a day-to-day -day work perspective that if you're in the, if you're in the office, there's things you can do or things that maybe you, you'd have access to like tech, like data that maybe it's more difficult at home that you have to find the right balance. No, for us it's pretty seamless. And so anything that you can access in the office, you can access remotely. Now, there may be some instances where folks need to come in, like the help desk support when we get new laptops in. Of course, that's something that they're going to have to do physically. Or if it's something that needs to happen within our data center or network infrastructure where you need to actually touch something. But for the most part, folks can access whatever they need um, remotely. And folks have been coming in. Uh, I don't want folks to get the impression that no one's been coming into the office. When needed, folks have been coming in to support uh, things that require um, on-site support. Uh, and I think that a lot of, for a lot of agencies, that's the case. You come in when you need to versus the everyday when, yes. when, when we were used to, yeah. Because I mean, and, and I don't know how much you all do from a classified perspective or sensitive perspective. I imagine there's some, there's always PII everywhere. So there's sometimes that kind of maybe fits in there where you have to say, well, I'm more comfortable from a security perspective if I come in the office versus accessing this more sensitive data from home. 
Well, we don't have any classified systems at HRSA, but of course, you know, you're always concerned with PII, but then folks are accessing the systems that have the appropriate security controls in place. Right. And then also we make sure that, you know, the laptops, you have to have VPN to access the network, uh, two-factor authentication for our systems. You, you mentioned the uh, grants program, and I thought that was a great example of, of a way that uh, HRSA has kind of evolved during the pandemic. You also serve a host of citizens, a host of other customers, if you will. You work together with HHS across the agency. Walk me through a little bit about where the technology piece played a role to help that uh, effort continue to, to be successful and also to maybe evolve because of the pandemic, like we saw with some of the internal processes. Well, HRSA um, was responsible for setting up a new uh, website, the telehealth.hhs.gov. And so um, that was a new service offering that we provided to our citizens. In addition, we have our Find the Health Center, hrsa.gov uh, tool, where citizens can go and they could find our health centers that uh, provided COVID testing, as well as telehealth services. Um, and then more recently, HERS uh, has been involved with the vaccination program. And so we've uh, uh, updated our tools to reflect some of the new uh, services that we do provide at HERSA. At so that's been a, a big thing that we've been working on. Now, was that just as simple as we already had the pieces in place and we're just adding new data or updating the data? Or did you have to add some geospatial capabilities? Was there anything specific you had to do or was it kind of just, it was a data challenge. Well, we already had the uh, Find a Health Center and that has geospatial capabilities. Um, so we've been um, able to leverage those tools as well. And then we recently um, deployed, this isn't specifically related to COVID, but something that we were working on before, which is our enterprise site repository, uh, which um, um, you uniquely identify different locations so that you can overlay uh, program data across the various programs, which has the geocoding in it, as well as some of the things with the provider relief fund is that we made sure that, that uh, those addresses were geocoded as well. And we're just about out of time, but just help me explain what the benefit, is that more of an internal benefit or is that more of an external benefit or both? I think it really will be both. I think um, externally, uh, folks can go and see where um, the different services exist with our uh, data warehouse system. Uh, so that's exposed externally, but we're also looking at uh, better ways, like I said, to um, access our data at HRSA. So um, I think that's enterprise site repository will really uh, help us in certain use cases to be able to, like I said, more effectively look at, at programs across the organization. Adrian, we're just about out of time before I let you go. Just uh, probably the, the one getaway question is, as you look forward, as you look into 2021 and, and beyond, what's what's on the top of your list? What's maybe the one or two priorities you're, you're going to focus on? I think uh, the top priorities really would be um, continue what we're doing with the provider relief fund and the COVID response. I mean, that's HRSA's top priority. So focusing on that and then also focusing uh, more on data, but those would be COVID is the top priority. I mean, we recently received additional funds for uh, COVID response. So for us, 
you know, COVID and security and data. <laughs> you can never forget security. We get that. We are reminded that every day. I very much enjoyed our conversation. So let me thank my guest. Adrian Burton is the Chief Information Officer at the Health Resources and Services Administration at the Department of Health and Human Services. Adrian, thanks so much for taking the time. It's great to catch up with you. It's always great to talk to you, Jason. Take care. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Modernizing Government, How Employees Can Thrive in This Hybrid Work Environment, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network. Tune in next month for the next episode in the Modern Government series. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search KPMG. Thank you for listening to the discussion, Modern Government, How Employees Can Thrive in This Hybrid Work Environment, sponsored by KPMG on Federal News Network.